you've given a great um, overview uh, to put Kentucky and and you know Central Kentucky, our particular area of interest, in the context. We used to think that the Clovis were the first people here. We used to think, therefore, they were the first people we in this area in Kentucky. But we now know that's not exact. That's not really right. I don't know how you first want to approach this, but the points of interest in Marion County that people have pondered on, you people like you and people like W.T. Knott and lots of other people have pondered about for a long time that, you know, fed their curiosity about what people were, were doing in Marion County well before white settlement. Well, uh, one thing of interest would be the trails that the Indians used in Marion County. And W.T. Knott, thank goodness, talked about this and, and let us know where they were. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he stated that the Salt Lake Creek going out toward Hodgensville was the the main highway for the Indians, and I can see why that is. Clearly see why that is. And he also uh, mentioned uh, Muldras Hill. Uh, one trail went up Clear Creek, went up Clear Creek to the top of the hill there. And, uh, another one was Cloyd's Creek, Medlock's Gap. Uh, I think Medlock's, Medlock's Gap is a short uh, valley, and it goes from Sallytown up to Merrimack. And then, uh, and then you've got Old Lick Gap, and that goes. That was another, uh, I'm sure that was a, a widely used trail because that would take you from uh, Bradfordsville to Liberty and right on down to the Cumberland, uh, to the uh, Green River where you could go north or south on river. And he also mentioned some of the Indians that, that early settlers have been in contact with in, in this area, and he mentioned the Cherokees and the Shawnees, and we, we know that. The Creeks who were south of us, I think they were down in, uh, no, the creeks were in, yeah, in Georgia and Louisiana. And he also mentions uh, Chickasaws and Chickamauguas, most of them from the south. And these trails were hunting trails, right? I mean, I mean, of course, they were trading also, but but did the trails we're talking about follow, uh, like, bison trails? That, that's that's probably a good uh, good chance of uh, that's yeah. that's probably the you know the case. We know that Lebanon's main street was an old bison trail, was it? That's not? right. Yeah. Mister Knott also mentions that some of our early settlers were killed uh, in the Braffordsville area in particular, and uh, he mentioned their names. Uh, there was a Gilcomb and a man, and there was also a carpenter boy who was scalped, and apparently took not only a scalp but one ear, but recovered from it. Right. and lived and then there were some other families that were massacred at later times and there was a Miller family in that area that had some of the family was murdered and some of them were kidnapped and taken off but rescued a few years later the Indians had taken them into their village and and then they were brought back mm-hmm. and the last person killed in Marion County was on Cloyd's Creek who it was a, his name was Ignatius Buckman in 1794 that was the last death 1794. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think there were many mounds in Marion County, and unfortunately, like just like in other states, when early settlers came here, well, some of them excavated those mounds, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But it also, it was a source of dirt, you know, when people needed field dirt and things, and, and unfor- right. unfortunately, people just, you know, would take that dirt and use it where they needed it, right. and then the, the mound would be gone. And then agriculture took a lot of the mounds, and I'm sure after 
Marion County was deforested uh, in the 1800s. So, you know, a lot of things just from erosion and everything else disappeared. And these mounds were not only the burial site, they were not only the bones, the remains, but filled with artifacts. And one of the biggest mounds was, one of the biggest mounds in the county was down on the L.H. Taylor farm, down near Gleanings. About 15 or 18 years ago, I, I had been looking for it for some time. Thank goodness I stumbled upon Sonny LaRue, and, mm-hmm. and Sonny LaRue said, I can take you and show you exactly where it stood. And, and he did. And when I walked out on that hilltop where that, where that mound was and, and, and got that view, in fact, <laughs> I, I, I forget what Kenny, I took Kenny Miller down there a few years ago, and, and I forget what he said, but it, it was something like unbelievable. Because you can see from where that mound was, I mean, they put that mound there for a reason. <clears throat> and it stands on a hilltop just above the Rolling Fork River. The Rolling Fork River is a horseshoe in front of it. And uh, you can see from that hilltop all the way, 15 miles, you know, as the crow flies, straight to the Belltown Knobs. And I've heard people tell me uh, when I was growing up as a kid, and especially, uh, some people around Newmarket, there's a, there's a, several areas where the ground is on some of those hilltops around Newmarket and St. Joseph. It's just black. Word was, and that's what I was told by Bobby Buckman at one time, was that they think that they put bonfires there to get, you know, signal fires for people oh, yeah. to see them and, and, and call people in. They might be out hunting in other areas, but it, but it's interesting. interesting. But it's left the black the black ash. Huh? Black, some of that ground is black as coal. There's, a, there's one hilltop in St. Joe where I used to find all kinds of arrowheads, and I know there was a village there. But the ground out next to the edge over the river is black. Also, speaking of Sonny LaRue, he also took me to, uh, there, right there in front of the Hillview Methodist Church, there's a little field. And Sonny said that his grandfather told him, I think it was his grandfather, that long after the Indians were gone, and I think he told me, and I'll have to ask uh, one of the Grundies, but but uh, I think he said that that, that a, a a group of uh, of Braves showed up, and they were all carrying rifles. He said, you know, there weren't many people here in that at that time. But this is around eighteen thirty. And yeah, he thought. I think he told me it was around eighteen thirty, which was long after most of the Indians already left here. But he. He showed me a there was a there's a divot in the left hand side of that little field and there's some trees growing out of it small trees but but he said that the Indians came in there and dug all day long and he said they dug down eight to ten eight ten or fifteen feet and he said nobody ever never knows what they got but they retrieved several baskets of something so I don't know if that might have been copper or that might have been silver or what it might have been and and he didn't either but but. But he said that happened, you know, and his, he had been told about that. Yeah. Does uh, WT not talk about that? Or you? this is just coming from Sonny LaRue? That came from Sonny. Gotcha, gotcha. And that's across from, roughly across from the Highview Methodist Church? Right in the little field in front of it. I'll be there. WT not even talks about opening a few mounds up himself. Mm-hmm. In that big mound there at Raywick, uh, down below Raywick, that, that uh, it, WT not, I guess, stood on that mound before... Uh, t- I think all those artifacts that came out of there are in the University of Kentucky now. They made it, I believe they made it to the University of Kentucky. But Mr. Taylor actually excavated it. And, uh, and W.T. Knott explains that on four, in four corners of that mound, 
north, east, south, and west, there were three piles of uh, uh, three little altars, you know, stones that had been laid on top of each other. And each one of the top stones had been burned till it was black. And they also found uh, there was no bones in that in that mound whatsoever. It was either a ceremonial mound or but it was, it was not a burial mound. Okay. But, uh, but they found uh, a large piece of lead ore that weighed seven pounds. And also there, there was different layers inside that mound of ashes and sand, real fine sand uh, that you would get, you know, find in some places on the riverbanks. And uh, they also found a thin copper, several thin copper plates, and three of them were so... They were about three inches in diameter, and they were they were so precise to each other they would stack on top of each other like a um, like a set of dishes like like dishes yeah. as, as he explained it. And there were some large copper implements in there too uh, that, that that they that they excavated. And there were eight copper spools, and I'm not sure what those things might have been, having not seen them. Uh, they could have been ear spools, but he said that they had uh, th uh, uh, thread wound around them, okay. and he and he said the thread, or he called he didn't call it thread, he called it a something else. It was some kind of woven fiber, but he said it was still in such good shape they were able to unwind it off the spools and then wind it back. I wonder what the theories are for why they did that. You can understand that if it was a burial mound, the thought was. You have to. That person's going to need certain tools and goods for the next life. Yeah. But so some of the your the theory is that some of these mounds were just perhaps ceremonial. Oh um, yeah. Oh yeah. And to create a landmark where they would maybe build a, a signal fire or or have a ceremony of some sort there. It's it's hard to say. Yeah. You know the the Indians had many different practices and you know and they had their beliefs and uh. And, you know, some of those Indians would have vision quests and, you know, to try to get closer to God, you know, mm -hmm. their, their, their God. But, uh, so it's hard to say, but I think that was probably a ceremonial mound. Uh, some of those other mounds that W.T. Knott did excavate, and one of those was close to Lebanon here. Uh, and I guess I'll never know where that was, but he said those did have skeletons in them and, and war clubs. So... And as soon as that something like that gets discovered, it's going to get pillaged. So all that stuff, all the artifacts and things that would be really interesting for research, that's going to get scattered. And yeah. That's that's a pity. You find you you do find graves in this county, and uh, and I've run across graves in this county. Uh, but but plows have generally you know torn most of them down. A lot of the graves you will find here will be the stone box graves, mm -hmm. and. Uh, those, in other words, the grave on the bottom and on the sides would be lined with with flat stones, and the body put in the in the middle, and then and then covered with flat stones, and then buried. And the Mississippians did that. We know that the Mississippian people buried a lot of their people like that. I was I was bass fishing on Barren River Reservoir uh, in about 1978, or uh, now it's about 1980, about 1980. And uh, we, I came around a point right on the main lake. I came around a point 
and I just happened to notice that morning up on the bank, and I had been by there before, but I... Where'd you say this was? Barren River Reservoir. Barren River, okay. But uh, I just happened to notice some rocks sticking up on the bank, and and, and so I pulled over closer to the shore and then got out of the boat and stood on the shore and realized that the whole dang hillside and going down into the water was covered in stone box graves. Mm. And uh, I'm sure somebody... Western Kentucky University has to know about that, but I would think, yeah. but, but, I, but I bet there probably are hundreds of graves there. A lot of uh, there's a lot of artifacts in Marion County, and uh, people have found arrowheads, small and large axes, banner stones, mulatto weights, uh, pestles and pendants, uh, about anything you can imagine, and I know there's been thousands of those artifacts picked up but i know that there are hundreds of thousands that'll never be found mm-hmm. uh, they're in the ground and they're going to stay there right. and, and now that we've got no-till I, I i mean i love i used to love to hunt air you know look for indian rocks but uh but now with no-till it's just it's so hard to find anything well i can remember spring was a great time people would go in the spring as soon as the ground was broken up your rock hunters yeah will get out there with their sticks and and just go up and down, up and down, up and down, looking. Something I'm in search of right now, um, and I mentioned that to you about a year ago, but WT Knott talks about a napping place. and, I, and A what place? A napping site. Uh, that's where Indians would make their arrowheads and tools. Okay. And uh, he explains in his book, and you, you can read that, but it's, it's apparently at the top of Phillipsburg Hill somewhere, and I've just got to get up there and, and look for it and try to get somebody to help me find it. I just want to know where it's at. Right. But I do know an, of another one that Kenny Miller and Preston Hunt told me about years ago. In fact, Kenny and I just went down there about uh, five years ago. God bless him. Uh, no longer with us. Nope. Uh, anyway, when you go out of uh, Howardstown, when you go out of Howardstown right there uh, and you're going toward Hodgenville, and you cross the, the Rolling Fork River there on the bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just beyond the end of the bridge, there's a little hilltop there on the right, and there's a cabin there now. And and so they've moved dirt around, but there's still some outcroppings of flint. But but back when I was in high school, that that hillside, the flint, and we there, there were no airheads there. But where they had napped those flint, that stone, it must have been they must have napped stone there for centuries because the, yeah. it was two feet deep or better. You just keep digging, it still went down. They made hundreds of thousands of flint items there. Huh. Yeah. So it's just the little chips that they that they knock off when they're making arrowheads and things. What chip after chip? Chip after chip after chip, yeah. And then you've got scrapers and uh mm-hmm. and some of that flint, that hornstone that comes out of Indiana and some of that black flint out of Ohio. I mean you can knock a chip of that off and it is sharper than a razor blade. I mean, you, I mean, you can skin an animal with it. It's right. razor sharp. did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Huh. Let's talk about the let's talk about the bison in Kentucky. There were many bison in Kentucky. Uh, the estimates are that there were two to four million in, in the east of the Mississippi, and there were sixty million plus west of the Mississippi. The last herd in Kentucky was seen in Hart County in eighteen twenty, and I'm not sure how big that herd was, but Daniel. Daniel Boone reported in 1769 seeing thousands in West Kentucky. Mm-hmm. 
Simon Kenton also reported uh, thousands on the Licking River in the 1700s, but I don't know how many thousand uh, in Nicholas County. And then here in Marion County, we've got the city of Lebanon was uh, a Buffalo Trail. Right. right. I guess it followed the Jordan Creek, you know, roughly. Yeah, and we have the bison to blame for the crookedness of Marion, of uh, Main Street right, right there at the um, where Proctor Knot crosses. Mm-hmm. It kind of takes a takes a little turn, doesn't it? It does, and then up on Scotch Ridge, there's several cuts through some of those hills, and one of those cuts you can see from the roadway there at the base of the hill going up uh, on Scotch Ridge from Raywick. Um, it's on, if, as you go up, it's, it would be on your left there on one of those little ridgeways where it's cut through. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, uh, I had heard about this, but uh, Mr. Miller, Kenny Miller, uh, took me back and made sure, you know, reacquainted me with it uh, a few years back. Uh, but the, there's a bear wallow, I mean a buffalo wallow up on uh, Scotts Ridge, and it's on the corner of Maple Road and Young's Branch Road. And you can see that from the roadway, but I guess it's uh, it's a spring that's been there for centuries, I guess. And, okay. But the buffalo would come there and and wallow in that and get mud on them to keep the flies off of them or whatever. And but cool off, I guess. Cool off, but it was right. a f- favorite buffalo wallow. Interesting. I know you want to talk about the salt production. I thought I'd mention that. Uh, and there were two main sites, there were two big sites in Kentucky. The Shawnee had a, a site at the Big Bone Lick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Cherokee had a site in, uh, on the Big South Fork in McCreary County. And the thing about salt was not only was that coveted by the Indians, but it was coveted by the settlers and, uh, and sometimes hard to come by, you know, uh, at the time. But the, uh, my understanding was that, it, gosh, in those days they were getting, when settlers first came here, they were trading trading salt for twenty five dollars a barrel, which was a substantial amount of money. Sure, absolutely. And, that, and that's not a fifty five gallon barrel. That's one of those small kegs. Right. How would they do it? How would they extract the? Was it a drying process? It was, if it's coming from a salt springs. Yeah, they would take the water and they would dry it. Okay. And I'm sure they had mats and things that they put that on, and probably multiple rocks you know maybe things they could lift up and sweep it off later after it dried right right i mean that changed everything if you had access to salt you could preserve meat that's right that's huge that's right yeah yeah you talked about this is interesting to me when we were discussing this creation myths uh of of the native americans tell me about that it's always surprised me it has for a long time and, and most of those tribes had their creation stories and how, how their people came to be. But what has fascinated me is how many of them, and there's several of them, that mention the story of the Great Flood. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so that, that's just, that's unbelievable. You know? Right. Um, and, I, and I think in some of their timelines that, they, that I've read about before, too, I mean, it must have been at about this, you know, same time. You know, 4,800 years ago, whatever it was. Right, right. But, but very interesting. And so that, yeah, and so that got inculcated into a lot of different cultures, into their yeah. mythology. Huh. We talked a little bit about the stone box people. I'm interested in the, um, 
in the in burial practices this this red ochre people that you were telling me about that's something that, that we've talked about for years um and once again mr miller and i talked about that in recent times uh but i i was discussing that all the way back in the days when preston hunt was still alive and uh but, but but for some reason, down in the, uh, first of all, uh, red ochre burials, they also call them red paint people. Mm-hmm. Red paint people and red ochre people. But those burials date back, they were prolific in Europe. They were all over Europe, going back for 200,000, 250,000 years. A widespread practice. And uh, one of the things about, well, some of the tribes thought it was magic, and other people thought that... Uh, well, and, and there's apparently some odor that that gives off once it gets moist and keeps animals from digging the grave up. Um, but it also had some religious significance, and uh, there's a lot of a lot of things you can read about red ochre and the significance it had with early people. But uh, and that's that's not just our race. The Neanderthal people did it too. Right. Uh, they were burying their people with red ochre. So it had a practical purpose in keeping animals out of the grave, but also had a religious significance. But uh, I remember Preston telling me that he was always, uh, it always was of interest to him that down around the Howardstown area was where most of those graves were found Mm -hmm. back in the day. And and, and I know up in the Northeast, uh, in Maine, and, and, and places up there, those graves are all over the place, and they run into them all the time, and they're just filled with that red ochre, and and our, and and they call I think they up there they call them the red paint people, but those people apparently came from uh, what is the Labrador or whatever that's further north up into Canada, and uh and and and, I, and there's no sense in getting into this, but I know they've they've dug up a lot of those graves and a lot of their tools. A lot of the tools that they found in those graves are very similar to uh, Norwegian grave, uh, Norwegian Sandra. tools. Yeah, interesting, interesting. And they also practice the red ochre burials. Yeah, these people were, even at that time, they were far from isolated. They were always trading. There was there was widespread communication. That's fascinating to me. They didn't have cars. They didn't have trains. Didn't have telegraph, but they had a far reach, and they were influenced by places very far away. I'm fascinated that they had conch shells, as you say, that they would trade, and, and copper and things, which came from a thousand miles away or whatever. Uh, it's, it's fascinating to me. Well, and, and corn. I mean, corn, corn changed everything. And something else that I've just been perplexed about for many years, too, is how, why is it the locals here, you know, the Mississippians, Start, got, started getting corn from Mexico around 1,000, but why didn't they bring potatoes or have we missed something? Mm-hmm. Because the Aztecs had potatoes, just like corn. Right, right. And the Aztecs had got that from the Peruvians. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. I guess maybe we'll eventually figure that out. That's interesting. That's interesting. This has been fascinating. I, I, I love this stuff. I think our listeners are going to like it too. Uh, you've done a really good job, as I said, of giving us kind of putting Kentucky and this part of Kentucky in the context of really worldwide things we know about worldwide migration and and cultures that we can mostly only speculate about we can make some educated guesses and we're learning all the time but i feel like we still have a lot more to learn don't we well we have 
a tremendous amount to learn. Mm -hmm. But we're getting closer all the time. And archaeology today is more fascinating as ever been in history. If, if I had life to do over again, I think I'd want to be an archaeologist. But, right? but with these, with these, uh, with this lidar technology, and they're finding these cities. Tell in me what that is. What do you mean by lidar? lidar? It's it's like a radar where they uh, they have it. You can you can use it from an airplane, but you can also drag it across the ground. And uh, the rate the radar. Uh, will reflect back and when they do it from up in the plains they can take the trees out of the way and see what's underneath of it it's amazing they i think i've seen some I've seen that used like for forensics and things yeah when they're trying to that's really something it's incredible huh. okay. tells you a lot more than a metal detector that's right and you can find things underground mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know they, right. they're over in england right now they're using them all over the place to find these old villages and so we could tell you where a privy was dug where sure. a grave is, sure, things like that. Wow! And give you and some and some of them will give you a readout on it and give you the images of what's under there. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm I was telling you I'm I'm only aware ever and I'm sure it's been done before, but any archaeological work officially that's been done in Marion County, uh, we, when they when they redid the road between here and Bradfordsville, um, I know they had to stop and allow some people from UK to come in, and I went and visited with them a little bit, and it's. One of those bluffs above the old road where they were going to dig for a new road, um, they had to stop and let them do some research right. there and see what they could find. I don't really know what all they found. I suppose someone could call UK and and ask them uh, what they found and if there's any report written, that'd be a good thing to have around here. But oh my gosh, you just think about the opportunities for archaeological research just in Marion County. Just in Marion what County. What it could teach us about this area, but also extrapolate it to larger. Or, uh, you know, nationwide uh, trends and history. I think the Bradfordsville area would be a gold mine. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. I definitely yeah. think that. Right, right. And like I say, that was, that was the uh, the old Lick Gap. And, I mean, that was a major thoroughfare through there, mm. by, you know, down to Liberty and the, and the Green River. Okay. Every, time, every few seconds when we're talking, you make me think we need to get in the car. And we need to drive around. You need to show me some of these places. I'm fascinated. If if uh, if nothing else, people listen to this show, they're going to get, I think they're going to, it's going to kindle a, a desire for further research and uh, come to the library. There's a lot of stuff to look at here and uh, read W.T. Knott's accounts and uh, what was his name? Judge Johnson, I think his name. Uh, Johnson's Lebanon as I've known it and and um, they they can tell us uh, some stuff that we need to know. We need to we need these are things we need to know about our home. Uh, Steve, thank you so much. Speaking of W T Knott, yeah. that that is exactly that that is exactly why I got on in the search for that mound down below Raywick for years. The mound at what? Oh, at Raywick. The one on the L H yeah. on the L H Taylor farm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I searched for that for years just because of reading that book. All right. Thank you, brother. Thank you very much. And thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been the Heritage Hub Podcast. I'm James Spragans, and uh, we'll be back uh, with uh, some other things, which we hope you'll find interesting. Stay tuned. <laughs>